Anyways, today, right now I want to show you, I want to share with you guys a story in my life that it really, really impacted me and showed me that life is so fragile. Um, I'm going to take you back to a year ago from today. It was in 2019. We were just starting with new VBS things. We were getting the blue team and the red team. We were starting like a, a whole new thing and we were all so excited about it. We were going to do a lot of um, new things. And so right around this time of preparation, I bought myself a go-kart, which you can see in this, in this slide right here. He pulls it up. So something like that. That's not actually how I got it. I got it a lot worse condition than that, but that's the, the way that I got it. And the way that I, I, once I had worked on it, that's how it ended up for a while. And so I was, I was working with this go-kart. I got it in a rough condition. You know, the, the tires were all worn. A lot of the parts of the frame, they were bad. You see in that, in that picture right there. And I was working on it every single day. It was my pride and joy. I really love that thing. And a lot of you guys know that the way that I actually bought this go-kart is I used to buy and sell things. I would buy things for a lower price. I would use them for a while, like a paintball gun or something like that. And then I'll sell it for profit. That's how I actually ended up um, buying this go-kart. This go-kart actually was around $400. A pretty penny for me, now that I wasn't working. Now I'm working, but still a pretty penny. And I had just about finished um, setting up this go-kart, like in that picture right there. And that's um, the picture right before its maiden voyage when I, when I started to ride around. And so the first time that I actually ride it around, you know, it was kind of rough. Um, a lot of the parts weren't working like they were supposed to. The brakes didn't work. Um, the motor would turn off on me a few times. I would, I would go around the neighborhood and I would make it halfway. And then I would have to stop because the thing just turns off on me and I had to take a little walk of shame and bring down my go-kart with me all the way to my driveway. But you know, I was excited because you know, I had spent a lot of time on this go-kart so that I can enjoy it. So I was excited that I was able to ride it even for just like a few minutes. It was worth it for me. And so right around my second ride with it, um, I did some adjustments here and there and I had the bright idea of bringing my phone with me so that I can see how fast I was going. And so uh, I take it out there, I run it, it's going nice, turns off on me like a few more times. And uh, with those go-karts, they're the old ones, they used to use them in actual racing in the early 2000s, and this is actually a retired version. And what happens with those is you can't really turn it on once it turns off. You have to go all the way back to, to where you started it so that you can get all of the little pieces so you can start, if that makes sense. And so that time I got a little bit further. And I was like, this is actually working out. I might be able to go out to a track and race this thing or something like that. And so I recorded that I actually went 30 miles per hour in a little strip of street. That should have been a red flag, but you know. All right, so I'm, I'm thinking to myself, is like, I really want to see how far I can really take this thing. See how far it can go, how fast it can go, and what I can do with this thing. I wanted to push it to the limit. 
So I was like, you know what? Let me let me look at the rope card and see if I need, if I need to do anything with it. And I remember the day before, my grandparents, um, one of those here, he actually told me he's like, there's these little prongs on the steering wheel, so you can see, you know, the RPMs, you can see all the fun stuff. And so he, there's a little three prongs on there, and the steering wheel was sticking out. He was like, you need to take that off if you want to keep on riding because if you get into a, an accident or something and you come forward, it's going to go straight into your chest and you might die. And so that was one of the things I brushed it off. I was like, no, I don't really need to do that. And so he kept on telling me other things. He was like, you should put some foam on the steering wheel column so that if you do hit it, you don't lose anything under here. You know what I mean? And I was like, no, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to crash. For sure not. And then he finally told me, like, okay, you should make sure that the engine's working right, that the brakes work right before you do anything crazy. Another one that I brushed off. But I was, I was still in the back of the mind, you know? And so the, the, day, the day before that I actually took it on its final spin, I'm going to show you a video in a moment, um, I actually looked at the go-kart and I was like, Maybe I should do some of those things that they told me about because I'm gonna go real fast now and I might get hurt. So I'm like, oh, the, the foam that you put on the steering column, that's too much work. I don't really feel like doing that. I gotta go to the store and you go put the foam on. No, too much work. So I look at the steering wheel and I'm like, I could probably take this out in like five minutes. So I'm like, I got nothing to lose. Let me just take it off. I wasn't really using it anyways. So I take it off. It takes around an hour, but I took it off. And so I look at the engine, and I'm like, yeah, that's fine. That's okay. Everything else is okay. So I'm going about, the next morning comes around. I remember I actually told my mom, I was like, like this thing is so fast. Like, I can't believe I bought this. This is great. Like, I love this thing. I can't believe I, I was able to buy this. And so I'm like, mom, come outside so you can see me how fast I'm going. And so she comes outside with me. And I take it out in the driveway, and there's a little video of what happens here. So you can't really see very good in the video, but what basically happened once that stops. What basically happened is I was going around the driveway. I also had my phone with me at the time. It was a different phone. We ended up cracked after the process because it went flying when I actually hit a car. You see, what happened was I was going down that strip of street. And I was like, you know what? I've never put this thing all the way down. I haven't put the pedal all the way down. I'm gonna do it. So I put the pedal all the way down. And about halfway there, I see a car coming straight at me. I had just turned the corner and it was coming straight at me. So at the time, I didn't really drive or anything. So I didn't really like know how to pass other people and like go around people, you know what I mean? But so when I saw that, that car coming at me and I was going full speed about 30 miles, 35 miles per hour, 
I was like, I gotta get out of this guy's way. Like, I started pumping the brakes. Turns out, I didn't check the brakes. Brakes were not working that well, so I didn't go that much um, slower. So I was still going about 30 miles per hour, give or take. So I'm like, I gotta get out of this guy's way. There's gotta be something I can do. So out of a last minute resort, I take a huge turn, like a super sharp turn. I drift a few feet and there was actually a little dip in the neighbor's parking parking lot entrance. And so my go-kart is about this much away from the ground, that much. And so the dip was about like two feet. So you put two and two together, the go-kart went face first into the concrete and my whole body went up in the air. I was still like, my feet were still on the ground, but my whole body went in the air. I slammed into the, to the steering wheel of my pelvis my legs were all cut up because of the fender on the front. Um, if you can put the, uh, the picture of the go-kart again. There's a fender on the front, the black one that cut up all my feet. And you can actually see here in the go-kart that I bent the steering wheel. It's a hard I hit it. And uh, going back to, to the store, so I, I got to the, to the parking lot, that little dip. And what turned out is there's a little front section and there was a chrome fender out there. What happened with that chrome fender is because I hit it face first, the chrome all crumbled up into my legs. So there's two pedals there and it was crumbled on the pedal of the accelerator. So even though I wanted to stop, it was pushing the accelerator and it had bent into the accelerator so I would keep on going forward. So I kept on going forward and that's why you hear in the video I smacked the the pavement, but I still keep on going. You hear the, the motor still rubbing up. And it's because of that. And so I, I keep on going, I keep on going. And then, excuse me, I hit a, a car, the, the car tire. Now by the grace of God, I didn't hit the, the actual, any of like the fuel tank. I didn't hit like any of the metal parts so that it would be a spark and it wouldn't explode or would have died there. Um, but I was about, this far away from the actual exhaust pipe in the car. So if I would have gone under the car, that exhaust pipe would have hit me in the face and I would have been dead also. So these are just some things that speak in mind. And I still get goosebumps seeing this video every single time. I have like a PTSD with it. It's not good. Just give me a second. And so a lot of things could have gone wrong with this with this little whole scenario that went on here. And I forgot to tell you guys, but a few days after actually I put it for sale. So so I was done with that. I didn't I didn't want any part of that. And I actually made profit on it. After fixing it up and taking out some things, and the, that chrome fender is not in there anymore. And the seller he asked me, he's like, Isn't there supposed to be a chrome fender in there? He's like, Yeah, there is, but I don't have it. So, uh, you know, I was able to sell it though. So that's good. So what this really, this whole story and the whole purpose of me telling you this whole story is that a lot of things could have could have gone wrong there. And it showed me how fragile life is. A lot of my friends, they think it, they're like, ah, I'm, I'm strong, I'm tough, I'm not gonna die tomorrow because I'm, I'm nice and healthy. You see, even with this pandemic, you see people like that dying every day. That's how fragile life is. James 4.14, it says, and you do not know what tomorrow will bring for what is your life, 
for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So you know that little mist that you get from Disney World? That, that took me back to when I was in Disney World. You know that mist that you get that it comes and goes, and you know? And it's there for a little while, but then it comes, it goes away like an instant. It comes in and it goes out in an instant. That's how it is. That's the same way that our life is. It comes in an instant and it goes just like that. That's the first thought I wanted to emphasize tonight. Your, your life is really fragile. Besides the point, I want to look at a piece of scripture that will complement a parable that we're going to mainly look into and study today. It's found in Isaiah 55, Isaiah 55, 9 through 11, which says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and make bring forth and bud, that it may give seed, it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word um, be that goes from forth my mouth. It shall not messing me up at all. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper to the thing for which I sent it. So what this is basically saying is, well, it's assuring one point, the very point that. God will accomplish what he wants through his words written in the Bible. That's the main point of assurance here. And in the parable of the growing seed, Jesus basically tells us that even though he's not going to be physically with us, he's going to cause the growth of his kingdom until he returns with the word of the Bible. If that makes any sense, I'll, I'll start explaining it more in detail now. And yeah, I think you'll understand what I mean in a bit. And in the parable of the growing seed, the one that we're going to be studying today, it comes before, I mean after, it comes after the parable of the sower, which basically says, you know that parable that a lot of you guys know, where the farmer actually spreads seeds and where it lands and what that means. Then Jesus explains it in the next verses. I'm sure you guys have heard of that, of that verse, of that parable. And then he goes on to speak about the lampstand, which is basically a warning about how you interpret parables. So keep that in mind while I tell you another little story. You'll learn a lot about me today. All right, we're going to move away from Scripture just a little bit again. And another story in my life, it's about a little onion plant. Don't show the picture of the onion plant yet. But it was a little onion plant. You know, it was just before when quarantine was just starting. And, you know, we were all really bored. And I just went into the refrigerator and I'm like, let's see what damage I can do today. So I was going in there, and I looked down in the in the little vegetable and fruits like um, drawer that my mom has, and I saw like this little onion, and it had like a whole bunch of roots coming from from the bottom of it. And I was like, "Wow, I didn't know they could grow in here, even though like there's no sunlight, there's no no water, no nothing, no conditions. But it was sort of just growing in there." And so I brought out the the onion, and I and I put it into like a little container little container with water so that it can grow. And you know, it was it was when quarantine was like just starting, everything was super locked down. So I was really looking forward to looking at that onion the next day. It was something exciting to look for, look forward to. All right, let me go like this. And so that onion, the next day that I go, uh, the next day that I come look at it, I'm looking at it and it's like, it's not really growing. Like, it looks kind of dead. Like, it's not really growing. 
I started examining it like before, I conduct you dead, I, I mean, I command you dead, I'm gonna see if you're like alive or something. So I start looking at the onion, and it looks something like this, but a lot more subtle. What was the next one? Something like that. But it was like a white onion, so I couldn't really see the stem real well. So there was a little stem peeking out of there. And I was like, wow, that's wild. This thing has been there for like over two weeks. And now it's starting to grow like it's been out of, like it's been always been planted. Like it's always been planted. So that was kind of wild for me. And so this, this onion plant, it started growing and growing and growing. And it came to a point actually that it started deteriorating. So I had left it in that little container for I think a little bit too long. It was, I think, two weeks. And what happened is it started drooping down. It had like these little black spots like everywhere. So I was like, no, God, don't take away my onion. Like I'm lonely here in quarantine. Don't take my onion. And so I'm like, you know what? Let me do some emergency surgery. So I grabbed some scissors. I put some alcohol on them. I clip out all the bad parts. And I'm like, God, please don't take away my onion. Let it live, please. And so what I do, I'm like, you know what? It might be that it doesn't have soil. So I plant it. It goes in there for about three days. And then it I see it, and it's like still getting even worse. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take it out. So I take it out, I put it back in the container. It gets even worse, a little bit better, but it's still really, really bad. And so I'm like, you know what? God, do what you need to do with this honey. I'm gonna plant it one more time and you do what you, what you want with it. I really hope you're not gonna kill it, but do what you want with it. And it didn't die, to my surprise. It actually grew up to be a nice onion that, that didn't grow another onion but it grew a flower, you can see here. See, I had never thought that an onion would do that. Like, I didn't know that an onion would actually like grow stem and grow flower. And I think in one of the pictures you can see that there's like this little, this little grass there. I'm not sure if that's another onion or anything. I'm hoping that's another onion. I think there's in one more photo. Yeah, there. Yeah, there's like this little grass in there. I hope it's not grass and I hope it's another onion because then I would have really made profit with this. And so the whole story, the whole reason why I tell you this story is that sometimes in life, I found that when I try to be really controlling and I try to do a lot more than I need to, a lot of the things tend to decay, you know? And so what I found is that sometimes you gotta take a step back and let things resort on their own and let God do what he can only do. You understand what I'm saying? Everybody with me still? You good? All right, just making sure. All right, st taking a step back from the onion, back to scripture, we're gonna go into Mark 4, 26 through 29, which is gonna be the bulk of our, of our analysis today. It's gonna be in the screen. It says, he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, the first then the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it. Because the, far, the harvest has come. You know, at first glance, I looked at this scripture and, and I didn't really get anything out of it. You know, 
Because it's like a, a lot of Jesus' parables, they're like kind of encrypted. They have like a little thing that you have to get through in order to get the right message. And the only way that you can get that message is through looking at context and looking at what Jesus says about that parable. It's the only way you can see that. And I was like, this parable, it doesn't really tell me anything. But I was like, but all parables have like great significant meaning. So this one shouldn't be any different, right? Let me tell you, I was right. It does have a significant meaning. All right, so let's look at the first verse. It's the one highlighted. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like, a man scatters seed on the ground. The important detail of this verse that I found is that Jesus is comparing to the kingdom of God to a man that scatters seed on the ground. That comparison. Now, I had never thought about this until recently, but farmers and, and God have a unique type of partnership. You see, because when a farmer plants a seed and it puts water, he has to rely on God to do what he can only do, which is grow the seed. Now, let me explain that one more time because I was kind of choppy, but the partnership is that the farmer is doing what he can only do. And a lot of other, the other people can do that also, but he's doing what he can only do. And then he has to rely on God to do what he can only do. See the difference there? I'll explain more in a minute. That's why a farmer has a partnership with, with God, because he has to rely on the seed to grow, even though he doesn't know how, how it grows. And if you look at Isaiah 55, 11, and you, you put these together, you put them together, you come with, a, with, the, with the realization that it says this. So when you hear the word of God, it works in you, even as you sleep, in a way that is invisible to our eyes. So just as a farmer is invisible to the seed growing, we are also invisible to seeing God work in other people's lives and see him do what he needs to do in their lives. If that makes sense. All right, let's look at the next verse. Verse 27. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. Main important part that I found, the main important part that I found here is, though he himself does not know how. You see, because the farmer does not know how the seed grows. It's still a mystery to the farmer, but he has faith that that seed will eventually grow or else he wouldn't be like a commercial farmer that he makes money out of these things. And you see the same applies for the kingdom of God. We work in partnership with God and we simply introduce things and we expose people to the truth and we expose people to the good news. The good news being that Christ died for you, Christ loves you, Christ wants a relationship with you. We, we expose people to that truth, but the real work is up to God. We have to also rely on a, on a process that we can't fully account for, just like the farmer. And you see many times, and I want to talk about the importance of the Bible here, is that a lot of times people look at the Bible and they see it as an instruction manual. An instruction manual, you just got to follow with fear, and you'll be good. See, guys, but the Word of God doesn't tell us that. 
tells us that if you do, if you read the word of God with an open heart, with an open mind, seeking to get closer to Jesus, that the word of God will work its life into you. So that implies that just like a seed, the word of God is also, no, the word of God also has mysterious and power that we don't really understand. Let's look at the final verse. It's in verse 29. Verse 29. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. So this verse, the main thing that I really wanted to, to look at here is the harvest has come. You guys remember when I told you about the onion plant that I was telling you that the, the onion was just barely peeking out with that little stem. That's how the word of God actually works sometimes. It works like that. At first, it's roots. You won't even notice it. You won't even notice that it's there. You might look at it and like glimpse at it. It might be something there, but you really won't notice it. But what Jesus is basically telling us here is that once the word of God matures, you can't miss it. You can't miss it. So at first, it's going to be unnoticed, but it can't be missed once it has matured. And the point that I'm really trying to drive across tonight is that God works in mysterious ways that we can't fully understand and we can't see. And this is why it's so important for you to set a portion of your day for God so that you can really grow with your relationship with Jesus. You see, a wise guy once told me that if your, relationship, if your relationship with God is not going forward or backwards, then you're doing something wrong. And you're doing something wrong. So you got to be always getting closer to God. And for a very long time, I didn't find much use in the Bible. I thought it was just like an instruction manual. You just got to know it. By, you just got to know certain, certain pieces, and then you'll be fine. But it wasn't really until I opened my mind... And I really sought after what Jesus was trying to tell me through the Bible that I really started growing my walk with God. And so to kind of end off today, um, I, want to I want to challenge you guys to do exactly that. To set apart a day of your, of your week, a piece of your week, or like a piece of your day. It doesn't even have to be that long. To see what God wants to do with you in his life, in your life. To see what God has to offer you through the words in the Bible. I promise you guys, it'll be more than worth it. And that's all I got. Alright, anybody want to close off in prayer or you want me to pray? Any volunteers? Alright.